Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Wedding and truth be told, my role in organising the wedding wasn't as extensive as Emma, but it did take up some time. And I was just feeling really, really busy. And I remember say, speaking to him about that and just go, oh, just so busy, I'm really feeling it at the moment. And he said, From this point onwards, this is the least busy you'll ever be. <laughs> and as John mentioned earlier, I mean, can say things with some real weight. And I came away <laughs> feeling very uplifted and, and so on. But um, he was right. Life has just got busier. And um, um, it's become really busy. And I feel recently I've been in a really um, busy period, um, baby on the way and everything. And when I'm in a busy period, I don't know about you, I just begin to forget those small details. You don't put the bins out on the right day. You forget a meeting at work. And so I came across an article on the internet. And Um, It may have been a mistake to read. It was called 25 Life Admin Things to Sort Out by 25. (laughs) Now, as you've worked out, there's a a warning in the title for me there of why it was a bad idea to read it. (laughs) By 25. So whatever I was going to encounter in this article, I should have sorted out over a decade ago. But undeterred, I read on. Um, There's not enough time to go through the whole list, but here are a few entries. Number six, know how to keep an indoor plant alive. (laughs) Number 20, be able to make minor repairs to your clothes. And my favourite, number 13, be confident setting up a tent. That's right, it's no longer okay just to be able to set up the tent. You have to have the required level of confidence to do it. (laughs) It's quite a list, and although I may disagree with some of the entries, I can get the sentiment of maybe setting some goals, trying to take care of the details in life. But life is more than just the small details. It's more than just the admin. When we only focus on those things, you get bogged down, and you lose sight of the overarching purpose. And what's true in life can also be true in church. You can get bogged down in the details. Um, it's important to remember the bigger picture. And we, um, John and I have given us a sense of that today. It's important for your horizons to be broadened. And when it happens, it doesn't mean that you ignore the details. Um, it doesn't mean that you're careless in regards to them, but it brings purpose to them. And actually those details and that serving can become a real joy. So I'm excited today that we're continuing this series on um, foundations, looking at the theme of mission. Um, it's something that Emma and I feel passionate about as a, uh, as a couple. In my 20s, when I should have been sorting out those life admin goals, <laughs> I spent um, a couple of, like, two and a half years in Argentina I'm doing kind of mission work there with Latin Link, and Emma's done like international development stuff in China, Mauritania, as well as prison outreach and um, outreach to brothels. Um, A hope and prayer this morning is that people are reminded of that bigger picture of his great plan. And it was just really encouraging in the worship. I think um, Renady had that kind of prophetic song about the Spirit coming, and actually we're going to be reading from Acts 2 today. Um, The Holy Spirit has come at Pentecost, and Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, gets up to speak. He brings context to it. He references the prophet Joel. 
And we're going to pick it up in verse 22, and then afterwards I'll just um, draw out um, three key things to remember. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, you will fill me with, the joy in, with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see, now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. When it comes to the subject of missions, we can be obsessed with the question of what. What shall we do? Do we church plant? Do we support this mission agency? What initiative do we pour our money and our resources into? The what dominates the thinking, and you can end up with a situation where you forget about the why. Um, there's a moment in the Gospels when Jesus asks his disciples, who do they say I am? And a few of the disciples say, some, of you say, some, of, um, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others still, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response, on this rock I will build my church. When Peter says something similar at Pentecost, people are cut to the heart and they repent and are baptised. This is the creation of the early church. And it's on this rock, it's on the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. 
He is the son of the living God. It's that truth that is the foundation of everything we do. So in the thinking about the what and what we should do, we should never forget the why. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, it, is a, um, it forms a community, and it's that community, it's that church that is meant to be the channel of salvation for others. God has always been about a people. In the Old Testament, it's about the Israelites, but now it's his church. John Piper says, and this is quite a well-known quote about mission, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. We want people to be saved. We want them to experience forgiveness of sins. We want them to know the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We want them to be broken out of what holds them captive. But ultimately, that's not the purpose. It's that God is worshipped and that he's glorified. And when we get to that place, worship becomes the fuel of mission. Um, So as I said, we must remember the why. So we can become overwhelmed by the details, but also the size of the task, especially when we feel that our resources aren't that great as we'd like. But mission is a work of the spirit. Mission arises spontaneously from a spirit-filled church. We are equipped for the task by the spirit. However, we also must be responsive to it. And central to this foundation series, we've been talking about what is in our DNA. We've been exploring the theology, what the Bible says about it, but also reminding about how God has spoken prophetically. Um, later in the book of Acts, um, the Apostle Paul has a vision one night of a man of Macedonia standing up and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul has seen the vision with his companions, they get ready and they leave, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel there. Years ago, in, uh, um, in 2009, we had this um, service of, with Julian Adams, and he brought a word where he said, well, a number of words, but one of them was, I even see Macedonian calls from other churches for Beacon to help them, to shape them. And it's interesting what John shared, that even in the initial stages of Owen coming to meetings, he's, he's giving something in those, in those areas. Um, there is an expectation from the Bible if you're going to further God's kingdom, you need to be responsive to the Spirit. And at Beacon, we should pray that we have the obedience and the faith to do that. And it's recognising that there's this anointing on us to kind of shape other things. I've never been to New Day. As you know, I can't put up a tent confidently. But my, <laughs> my impression is, from what people have said, it's almost that Beacon has a disproportionate influence there when you kind of think about the numbers of the church. And I know New Day isn't a church as such, but again, it's that kind of indication that maybe there is this anointing to shape things outside of ourselves. And finally, just quickly, um, we are all called and commissioned. No one should discount themselves from God's mission. It's not for a particular type of person in a particular stage of life. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read... Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age.
that commission is for us all. No one should discount themselves, and it's something we all should get caught up in. Um, Em's going to come now and speak about uh, one further aspect of mission before going into a few more specifics. Okay. Is that on okay? Lovely. So the importance of serving the poor, of reaching the broken, the marginalised. Scripture just exudes God's heart for that, doesn't it? For justice and compassion for the poor, um, which is another huge aspect of mission. You see Jesus actively seeking out the poor, the marginalised, the rejected, to love and restore. And then they become the restorers. They join him in his work of loving, of extending his love, of extending his restoration. I love that. In James 2, 14 to 19, which is there, um, we see this call to not just preach the good news, but also to meet the practical needs of the most vulnerable in society. It's not spiritual over here, practical over here. The two are together as an expression of our faith. So it says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. And it's sort of ironic in a way that we've split the talk down the middle with Stephen talking about the church, evangelism, the Great Commission, and me talking about um, social action, I guess, um, the poor and the marginalised. We had to sort of split it somewhere so we weren't sort of jumping around between each other. But the truth is, we often do that ourselves, don't we, in our minds. We have um, evangelism over here and social action over here without realizing we're doing it. Um, I have to confess, I love, I love projects. I love them. I work in the charity sector. Um, I do strategy in the charity sector. So I, I could spend hours, days, weeks um, planning projects and strategizing and coming up with um, really cool mission statements. I get really excited about it. Sad but true. Um, and often it's targeted at empowering the marginalized and vulnerable um, to reach their potential, that kind of thing. But the, the trouble is we bring, as a sector, as a, as a charity sector, you bring the gospel into the equation, even in Christian charities, and we start to feel uncomfortable. We treat it with um, kid gloves. And in part, that's because we want people to know that they're loved unconditionally and they're not, being, they're not receiving practical help um, for an ulterior, ulterior motive, an agenda, that we're trying to coerce you into, um, in, into hearing the gospel, etc. And sometimes that's appropriate and sometimes that's right. Sometimes it's because we're straightjacketed by um, fundraising contracts as well, to be honest. But the thing is, in Scripture, there isn't this great divorce. There isn't this great um, separation. 
we forget sometimes that um, there isn't a separation between the Great um, Commission, God's kingdom, and practically serving the poor and marginalized and vulnerable. The two are intrinsically linked. And in this passage in James, we see that the two are brought together. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. And again, in, um, in Isaiah, there's that verse that um, I'm sure we can all um, reel off. Um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That was prophesied um, of Jesus years before um, he started his ministry. And then when he starts his own ministry, he, re- he reiterates that himself to show how important it is that reaching the poor, the brokenhearted, freeing the captives, um, it's not an add-on. It's always been part of the Great Commission. It's part of who he is um, and how we're called to walk with him. No separation. And in fact, not only do we, call the, um, do we share in this call generally, just as being believers, but this church, Beacon Church, has some really specific prophecies spoken over us in this area. So Steve mentioned um, that um, we had there's some, some prophecies by Julian Adams. When we were preparing for this, Owen sent us um, a whole list of prophecies that have been recorded, so words that people have, um, have brought over the years for the church, which are really exciting to read. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of them because it's so relevant to this. So there's one that was brought by Emma Arnold, actually, in 2009. I don't know if you remember this, Emma, but... Um, um, but you said, go, you felt like God was saying, go into battle, go into the battle zone, that he's sending us out to the poor, to drug addicts, the homeless, the disadvantaged. And um, again, through Julian Adams, um, he said, and the Lord has given you, has given us, an anointing for mercy and justice. God is going to establish his throne on these two things, mercy and justice. God is going to add to Beacon those who will fight for justice and the poor and the broken and the marginalized. I feel there is going to be a strong ministry to single mothers, to single mothers in the church, that scores and scores of single mothers are coming to Beacon. God is going to give Beacon an ability to provide family to those that don't have family. So keep a family mentality and keep family at its core because God is going to give Beacon as a family to the community. And we're seeing that more and more. That was 2009. So part of of our call from the platform of this church is to join with God in his ministry Um, not projects, of justice for the poor and the broken and the marginalized. And there's power in his name for this. So I've got a picture. Um, So imagine this house pictured here. Complete isolation. No pathways going in, no pathways going out. But then imagine that this house contained the most precious gift that anyone in the surrounding area um, could have, but yet it was completely inaccessible. It would be tragic. 
And it's exciting that increasingly Beacon has pathways from what we hold here into the community and, and back again. So John Taylor spoke a few week, weeks ago about social action didn't he? And there's a lot of things that Beacon's already doing in um, as mission, in inverted commas. So Alpha, for example, CAP, Food Bank, they all provide bridges from the church into the local community. They, um, Many of them provide ways we can practically address issues like poverty, and they also strengthen us as a church. And I had a picture this week when I, was, when I was praying about this of Beacon as a strong house, stronger than that one looked. Um, and it had already had a few pathways going outwards. But that God wanted to create more pathways so that we could reach more people, um, different groups, those previously inaccessible, those further away. And I think there's a hunger for many of us for more of this. And so we want to use this morning to pray into mission. And as much as I would love to figure out a project and write a nice, tidy mission statement, because I love it, it starts with prayer. Because restoring the broken, because reaching the lost, it's his idea. And he's so much better at it than us. We've had lots of words this morning about trusting him because he's good. And actually trusting him in this because he's so much better at it than us. And so as a church, we're actively exploring ventures into mission in three areas, in three pathways. So first one, regions beyond. We've been hearing a lot about that over the last few weeks, haven't we? And Steve Oliver spoke a few weeks ago on the really inspiring work that regions beyond are doing. And as we're contemplating joining that sphere, that opens up a lot of possibilities in mission for us as a church um, that might look like resourcing what another church is doing in another part of the world. It might um, look like going to visit somewhere or them supporting us, but that's something that we are actively exploring. The second thing is compassion. Um, I don't know if you remember Owen visiting Kenya a few years ago and he came back talking about the work that Compassion are doing there. Um, one of the ways that we're contemplating joining in with that as a church is child sponsorship. So they have child sponsorship programs that they run through local churches um, in the area. And that's a really tangible way we could get involved in resourcing what another church is doing. And as a parent, I find that quite exciting, actually, because child sponsorship is one of those things where your children can really um, practically, tangibly engage with issues of disadvantage and poverty in a way that is really understandable. And thirdly, orchards. So it's been really exciting over the last few years. I think we've grown as a church in the way that we do community for women in particular. So we're growing that area in men uh, as well. But um, there's certainly, I think we've grown over the years. I've seen that really growing um, in the way that we support women. So things like brunches and things like coffee mornings are linked to food bank and cap. 
And something else we're exploring at the moment is partnering with Orchards. So it's a new charity that's being set up that I co-lead. And it's looking to set up safe houses for women who are exiting sexual exploitation um, linked to local churches. So that's a real opportunity for us to join in God's heart, I guess, for the marginalised, for the, for the vulnerable, the restored, becoming restorers. Um, and also for us to practically be able to access a group that we'd normally have no access to at all. So there's those three areas. Um, that last one, I'd be really happy to chat to anyone after service or send you some info if you're interested. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.